Good morning, Disciples Church. It's my privilege to do scripture today. Can we rise for the reading? Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant, and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying his voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and happy new year, everyone, and it's terrific to see you. I think this is the first time that we at Disciples Church have gathered on the first day of the year, so uh, it's terrific to be able to see all of you. Um, we are so glad that you have decided to begin 2023 with us in worship. Uh, my name is Dave Hahn, and I am one of the pastors here at Disciples Church, and it is my privilege to be able to open God's Word with and for you this morning. So in my 51 years plus of living, I have gotten to be part of and experience a handful of things that I really could never have imagined. I suppose that's probably true with most of us as we get older. Things that have stirred my heart in gladness for where I was, for what I got to do, and for who I got to be with in those things. And one of those moments was just about four years ago in Denver, Colorado, where I enjoyed a four-day weekend in and among the Rocky Mountains, which are amazing to see and amazing to look at. And I was with some of my very closest friends. I got to play music with them and lead worship with them. I got to enjoy tasty beverages with them, you know, like water and soda and juices and things like that. I got to go fly fishing for the very first time with them sitting 9,000 feet above sea level, no cell service, and surrounded by stunning views that would rival any Bob Ross painting. And then 
on my last Sunday there, I got to see my beloved Milwaukee Brewers clinch the National League Central Division title at Coors Field, a field I had never been to, and then watch them move on to the championship series. And then the weekend ended with me getting on a plane with only six minutes to spare before the plane took off. I probably should have left the game a little bit earlier than I did. And in that moment, like the handful of other experiences that I referenced earlier, my heart was especially full of gratitude and joy and amazement for who God is, what he has done, and what he lets me be part of. And while I may not have realized it at that moment or even really articulated it this way at the time, sitting on that plane in Denver with my heart still racing, my soul was blessing the Lord. My soul was blessing the Lord. In Psalm 103, as Dan read it for us, David cries out to his own soul and to those who read it, to bless the Lord no less than six different times. And my question for all of you as we begin this morning is this. Have you personally ever considered that we can bless God? That we can bless God? Have you ever thought that maybe we ought to bless God? I mean, isn't it God who blesses? And isn't it we who then pray to God who blesses that he would bless us and others? Well, according to Psalm 103, the answer to each of those questions is a resounding yes. Yes, God blesses us. And yes, we can and ought to bless God. The phrase, bless the Lord, might actually be an unusual one for many of us in that we don't really know what that means. How is it that we bless God? But we see it in several of the Psalms, not just Psalm 103. And to help us gain understanding, I think it's good to start with discussing what bless the Lord does not mean. Because I think in understanding what it does not mean, it reveals to us how we tend to think about what it means to bless. It does not mean, blessing the Lord does not mean that we are helping God. Blessing the Lord does not mean that we are strengthening God. Blessing the Lord does not mean that we are making things better for him. Because my friends, God needs nothing and he needs no one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all sufficient, and that is good news. Can you imagine the trouble that we would be in and the fear that we would rightfully feel if God were dependent upon us or needed something from us rather than the other way around? So what then does it mean to bless the Lord. Well, when the Bible talks about God blessing us, it often uses the Greek word makarios, which means to be happy or to be envied. And it is this word that is used in the Sermon on the Mount amongst other places, as in, blessed is he 
or happy is he, envied is he who is persecuted. That's the word makarios. And makarios speaks to those moments when we receive God's favor and are fully satisfied in him regardless of our circumstances. Because my friends, that is how God blesses us in spite of our circumstances and in spite of what we deserve. But the Hebrew word for blessed as used here in Psalm 103 is barak, which means to kneel, to kneel. And that, my friends, is how we bless God in a posture of worship, in a posture of submission. See, when God blesses, we are undeservedly receiving his favor. And when we bless God, it is in response to having been blessed by receiving such favor. And so we kneel in worship. Psalm 34 actually gives us another picture of what it means to bless God. Verses one through three of that psalm say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually on my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. When we bless the Lord, we recognize who he is and what he has done. And then in response, we offer him our gratitude. We praise him, we boast in him, we magnify him, and we exalt him. That's what Psalm 34 teaches us. Verse 1 of Psalm 103, our verse today, says that we are to bless him with all that we are, right? Our soul and all that is within us. So friends, blessing God begins at the soul level. It begins in our hearts. Before I had ever expressed a blessing unto God with my mouth sitting on that plane in Denver, Colorado, my soul and my heart blessed him. That's where it begins. So let it not be said of us that our lips would honor and bless God while our hearts are far from him. God sees our hearts. Verse 1 of Psalm 34 says that praise for God should continually be in our mouths. So when the soul recognizes and rejoices, our mouths must declare. When our soul recognizes and rejoices in who God is and what he has done, our mouths must declare. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It's really great. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. Imagine how silly it would have been if me and every other Brewers fan at Coors Field that day sat silently on our hands after that last out. The enjoyment of that incredible win would have been incomplete 
without the rightful exuberant expression of gladness and praise. Friends, we are built to praise. Sporting events and concerts and all of those things where there's uproarious applause and your hearts are lifted and filled is evidence of the fact that we have been built to praise, that we are designed to worship, that we are meant to bless and express our gladness and express our joy to complete that expression of praise, to consummate it. But, though that is all true, because of sin, our hearts and our souls are fickle and we are prone to wander. And far too often, we bless the wrong things or we let our praise terminate on the gifts rather than our God who gave them. So to understand the what and the how of Psalm 103, we also need to ask this. Why do we bless the Lord? Why do we bless him? Well, broadly speaking, as we have already discussed, we bless him because of who he is and what he has done for us. But Psalm 103 gives us 17 specific reasons that we should bless God, and that list is certainly not exhaustive. According to Psalm 103, we bless God because he forgives us heals us and redeems us because he satisfies us with good and reveals himself to us because he is slow to anger and abounds in steadfast love because of the declaration that he made to Moses and the Israelites and to we who are in Christ under a new covenant because he knows that we are like dust, the grass, and the flowers, meaning that in view of eternity, we are here today and gone today. And finally, we bless God because he has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Friends, these things and more have been and are always true of God, and he does not change. And for we who know him and love him and fear him, these truths are for us to claim, for us to deeply consider, and to always remember, because we are so prone to forget. So ask yourself today, ask yourself today, which of these attributes of God found in Psalm 103 do I need to begin believing? Which of these things that are true of God do I need to begin believing or to re-remember so that my soul would bless the Lord? Have you, my friends, been marginalized? Have you been oppressed, betrayed, or treated unfairly? Because God would say to you in Psalm 103, I am working out my righteousness and justice for your sake and my glory. And no unrighteous or unjust act will be forgotten or unpunished. Are you living with sickness in body, mind, or spirit? 
perhaps a, a new diagnosis, a new thing for you, or maybe it's something that you've struggled with for some time. And God declares in Psalm 103, I will heal all your diseases and renew your youth. Perhaps not here on earth, but most assuredly, most assuredly in the life to come. When we see him face to face and we reign and rule with him forever. Maybe this morning you're wondering where God is and whether or not he has forgotten you. God's promise to you is this from Psalm 103. I know you. I remember you. And I love you with a love that is everlasting. Are you worried, afraid, or overwhelmed by the brokenness of the world that we live in? And God cries out to you, I have established my throne and my kingdom rules over all. Friends, do you know, do you know deep within yourself that nothing surprises or worries God? Nothing surprises or worries God. Nothing is chaotic to God. Nothing is out of control to God. And nothing, nothing happens without God bringing it, knowing it, and allowing it for his purposes. And finally, maybe you're struggling to believe that God loves you and that he isn't angry with you. That there are sins in your life that you feel extraordinary guilt and shame over and you struggle to forgive yourself for it. But God says to you in Psalm 103, I am not angry with you. I am not angry with you. I am merciful, I am gracious, and I am compassionate. I have forgiven you all your sins. All your sins. I do not repay you or deal with you according to them. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sins from you. Do you know how long it would take you to get to the west if you started traveling east? You'd never get there. You'd never get there. And that is how far God has removed your sins from you. Your past sins and your present sins and your future sins. Remember, friends, that all of your sins, all of my sins, were future sins when Christ died. And that death that he died on the cross was sufficient once and for all. He is not coming again to forgive sin. And that means that there is no more anger, that there is no more wrath, that there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Disciples Church, this is our God. This is our God. And he is for us and he loves us. And in response to his blessings and his benefit, we bless him. So one question remains yet that for today, how do we bless God? How do we bless him? Well, verse 17 
of Psalm 103 says that we bless God by fearing him. And we're not talking about terror. We're talking about awe. We're talking about reverence. We are talking about respect and honor and recognition of the fact that he is God and that we are not. Verses 18, 20, and 21 says that we bless God by keeping his covenant and doing what he commands. By being obedient to his inerrant, perfect word and the prompting of his Holy Spirit as an expression of love and worship to the one who first loved us. That is how we can bless God. And verse 2 says that we bless God by becoming familiar with and remembering all his benefits. And so, my friends, we saturate ourselves in God's word. We surround ourselves with people and things that stir our hearts for Christ. We contemplate his faithfulness and his goodness to us, both yesterday and today, so that we would not forget them tomorrow. When we remember his faithfulness yesterday and today, we are less likely to forget them tomorrow. And we remember, above all, that God sent his son to become a man of dust for us. And that he stepped out of the grave so that we might live eternally with him. My friends, it is in beholding Christ and blessing Christ that we become like Christ and glorify him. Behold Christ, bless Christ, and become like Christ in doing so. So my friends, my prayer for us today and in this new year to come is this, that our eyes would be ever fixed upon him. That our hearts would be ever tuned to him and his grace and that our minds would dwell ever deeply upon him so that our soul and all that is within us would bless him. Let's pray. Our God, our Father, our Lord, and our King, you alone are worthy of our praise. You alone deserve our soul's blessing. Help us to not forget your benefits, for you have forgotten our sins. Stir within us a response to your gospel. Help us to sense your presence, to see your work, and to be encouraged by it. Give us eyes to see the lost as you see them. Give us hearts that feel compassion for our enemies, remembering that we too were once your enemies, and yet you gave your son unto death for us. You adopted us as sons and daughters, Jesus, and we love you because you first loved us. We forgive others because you first forgave us. Father, let the meditations of our minds, the words of our mouths, and the deeds done in our bodies bring you glory. Everything is by you and for you. And so we bless you in Christ's name. Amen.